Thank you, Hannah and team, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to uh, Central. Now, the last time that we were uh, together, many of you recognized you needed a, a breakthrough in your life, and you listened to a song which was essentially the same story being told as the song that we just uh, sang. It was a story that combined the death and the resurrection of Jesus into one act. It was a story that is said, that essentially said that the resurrection of Jesus is the vindication of the death of Jesus by the Father. It's one act. And in this one act, breakthrough is possible. And many of you heard that story and you decided to, to muster the little bit of faith that you had and to get up from your seat and, and to move and to piece, uh, take a piece of chalk and just to write and to draw a cross by the side of the cross of Christ, saying, Father, I really need you to break through in my own life. And the minute we do that is the minute we enter into a different kind of reality, a different kind of realm, where we're now we're saying, okay, God, I'm putting myself in a position for you to work and for you to do what only you can do. And, and in that moment, my experience suggests that the work that God is going to do is not going to follow the plan that we would expect it to happen. The Bible says, for my ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. And the question I want to ask us today is essentially, how do we move forward when what God is likely to do is not what we expect him to do? How do we plan for that? Well, the message on the screen will tell you, we can't plan for that, but we can prepare for it. I want to turn you to a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 24, Matthew 24, and in a moment I'm going to read from verses 42 through 44. If you need a copy of the scriptures and would like to follow along with us today, all you need to do is raise your hand in the air and our ushers would be delighted to give you a copy of the scriptures and then you can turn in those scriptures to page 993, 993. Now, before reading this portion of the scripture. Let me just set the context for you. Again, if you need a copy, just raise your hands in the air. The disciples are about to witness Jesus to die. It hasn't happened yet. And, and this is the final, the fifth and the final teaching section in Matthew's gospel. And the teaching section begins with the disciples asking Jesus two questions. The first question is based on the previous experience. The previous experience was essentially the disciples and Jesus in town for the Passover. They come out of the temple. The disciples turn around and they say, Jesus, isn't this building incredible? And Jesus says, take no notice of this facility, this building, because I tell you, this will come down. Okay, the disciples are shocked with this and they ask Jesus a question. Jesus, when will this be and what will be the sign of your coming? Two questions. Too many people look at what we're about to read and interpret it as if Jesus is only dealing with one question. When am I going to come back? He's dealing with two questions. 
When is the temple going to come down? Which was essentially AD 70. Okay. And when will you return? So these two questions are being unpacked in Matthew chapter 24. And any student of the scripture is going to have to kind of work out in their own mind, when does Jesus stop dealing with the first question? When is the temple going to come down? And when does he start dealing with the second question? When are you going to come back? I believe that by the time we get to verse 42 here, Jesus has already transitioned to be talking about his return. Now, where this is important for our conversation about how do I plan or prepare for God's breakthrough in my life is simply this. We're about to read a text where Jesus is telling his disciples that God is going to come. He's going to come. He's going to break through in an incredible way, and they can't plan for it. They can't control it, but they need to prepare for it. Some of you came forward last week, and you took that cross, and you drew that chalk, and you were saying, God, I need you to break through, and God wants you to know you can't plan for this. You can't impose your will on the future and make this happen, but you can prepare for this. Both planning and preparation are biblical, but they're both different. Some of us have been trying to organize our life to achieve the breakthrough that we need. That's especially true if you're dealing with a habit that you can't kick, an experience that you just can't shake. You've tried to organize your life to be free from this thing. And no matter how organized you are, no matter how controlled you are, the reality is that nothing is changing. And God is saying to you, there are certain things in life that you cannot plan for, but you can prepare for. And I believe that Matthew 24, 42 through 44, instructs his church to prepare for the return of Jesus, even though we can't plan for it. We can't control it. Look at what the, the text says. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. Now, some people look at this text and they say, yes, we don't know the day, but we do know the week. <laughs> we can interpret the sign of the times and we'll know the week or the month. For a number of people, that was September a number of years ago. So they took their money out of the banks that were going to collapse in America, and they moved it to Canada, because apparently the Canadian banks are safer than the North American banks are in the time when Jesus is going to come. I can't make this stuff up. You can't plan for this, Jesus is saying, because this, you don't know the hour. You just don't know. So what do we do when we don't know? We sit there and wait. We do what Thomas did with the resurrection, sit there and wait for God to show up. No, we prepare. Some of you need God to break into your life, to come in. God is saying, don't you sit there. Prepare. The next verse, verse 43. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be, what, ready. Just because you don't know what's going to happen, don't be neglectful. 
Don't neglect your responsibility. Don't give up looking for God to come. Be ready for it. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him to come. Listen, if you want breakthrough in your life, I believe God is faithful to his word and he will break through. It may not be how you expect it to be and it may not be when you expect it to be. You can't plan this, but you can prepare for it. And since you can't plan for it, Jesus is saying, don't go about making these crazy kind of calculations. This, if I do this, then God does this. Don't go around doing these pointless predictions, which is what people do with the second coming of Jesus. Crazy calculations, pointless predictions. Don't do it because it doesn't work like this. No, he says, prepare for it. You want to break through in your life, folks? You can't plan it, so don't go crazy on the calculations. Don't go pointless with the predictions. Start to go in a mature way and prepare your heart for when God will come. Because he's coming. He delights in coming to his people. He calls us to be ready for an event that we have no control over. You see, the point is this. When we know the end, we know what we want, right? We want God to break through. We want God to be real in our, in our hearts and our lives. But we don't know the plan. We're not called to wait. We're called to prepare. I believe that we're in a season where people are desperate for God to come. And the call that God is giving to us as a church is, prepare my people for my coming. And I'm not just talking about the second coming of Jesus. I'm talking about God coming to us in an unmistakable but a real way. Many people get so disillusioned when the world starts to get so messed up and they can't figure out what's going on. I get excited because the darker the night, the brighter the light, the more tangible the need the more people are open to God breaking through. God wants us to be ready. Now, let me say this. Planning is important, okay? I'm not here today to say, hey, don't plan. Planning is biblical. Planning is important. But to plan is essentially to impose our will, even God's will on the future. That's what planning is. It essentially says, God has given me this picture of the future that I can see it, and he wants my will and my motivation to be to make that happen. That's what a vision is. It's a picture of the future. It hasn't happened yet, but we can see it. And God wants us then to impose our will, which is his will, on making that future happen. To happen. It's totally biblical. Proverbs 21.5 says this, the plans of the diligent lead to profit. That's not prosperity theology, that's just the Bible. Leads to profit, it leads to fruitfulness. It leads to effectiveness. It leads to success. As surely as haste, the lack of planning, leads to poverty. Now, what we need to discover, though, is that when God gives us a vision for the future, and we, he, he gives us the responsibility to set a plan to impose our will on that future, sometimes it doesn't go as we think it would go. So God's word reminds us in Proverbs 13, 19, don't be so foolish to stick to your plans even when something clearly different is happening. 
The vision may not change, but the plan may need to. So Proverbs 13, 19, people read this and they think that the one part of the proverb doesn't tie to the other part of the proverb, but it does, and I'll explain why in a second. A longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul. Now the correlation is, but fools detest turning from evil. <laughs> what does that mean? It basically means that sometimes when God gives us a vision for the future and we have a plan and we decide to impose our will on that vision, that sometimes it doesn't go the way we think it should go. And only a fool sticks to the plan when reality is saying something different. That's the point. Let, let me give you a practical example of this. It's 2005. August of 2005, Jordan, our fourth uh, child, has been born. That was quite a shock for us because Vipka and I didn't plan for that. We were quite comfortable with three children, thank you very much. Before we were married, we wanted five. After we were married, three was good. <laughs> and God has now blessed us with six. Go work that out. The, the plans that we have are nothing in comparison to the plans that God has. But we were entering a really nice stage in life. The church is doing well that we were a part of. The kids were settled. Everything seemed to be going great. And then Geordie comes along, right? And just messes up the plan. Vipka had a horse, a Hanoverana, okay? Hanoverian, if any of you are equestrian people. Really good breed of horse. It was an excellent horse. It could do dressage. It could do jumping. Vipka had spent the time training this thing. We had a Dalmatian dog, which was going to run alongside the horse. Everything was going great. And then Geordie comes along. And Vipka realize she's a pastor's wife, she's a mother to four kids, I haven't got time for a horse. Now if you know Vipka's story, horses were really important to her past. The decision to buy a horse led her to question, am I going to put the horse in the right perspective? Because for her, the horse always fulfilled a need that only God could fulfill. She made that kind of call. We, we got the horse, and then Geordie comes along, and Vipka had to make another difficult call and realize, you know what? We need to get rid of this thing. And so Vipka is a compassionate soul, wanted the horse to go to a right, uh, the right place, so went to the person we bought it from. They found a great home for lady, and all my job was was to take the horse to where it was supposed to be. No problem, right? Looked at the name of the place where we were going, obscure German town. So I got out my little navigation system, which back then was just on my little Palm Pilot type thing, you know, the first generation of these things. I typed in the address and off we go. Now, Lady didn't really like the trailer, and she certainly didn't like the trailer in the rain. And it was raining really badly, and we're going. Now, we should be heading southwest, and I'm going southeast. And Vipka looks at me and says, are you going the right direction here? Han, don't worry, I put it all in there, I've got a plan, it's all fine. 30 minutes, 60 minutes, still going southeast. Vipka's like, Craig, you're going wrong here. Vipka, I've got this, it may seem we're going a different direction, but these things are really good, you know, trust it, we'll go around this way. These maps, we don't need those things anymore. <laughs> Nearly two hours later, we get to the place and it's the wrong place. It had been raining, the horse was agitated, and now I had to go like in 90 minutes across the other way. Vipka was not happy, to say the least. She is German, she is strong-willed, and she let me know that sometimes it is foolish to stick to your plan when reality is telling you something different. 
There's a lesson in that. Sometimes we want something so much, and God even gives us a vision of it, but we're going about it a certain way, and God is saying, listen to me, this isn't the way that I want this to happen. Can't you see the foolishness, God is saying, of continuing to aim for something that you want when the reality says that this isn't going to work this way? That's the way it works with breakthrough sometimes. We think we know how these things should work. But Proverbs tells us it is foolish to continue with a plan that isn't leading us where God wants us to be. So planning is important. It is biblical. It's a really good thing because it brings fruitfulness, success, effectiveness. But when it comes to the way God works in our life, sometimes we need to realize holding to a plan when reality and objectivity says something different is foolish. What do we do in a situation like that then? Well, the Bible says we need to take a step back and we need to prepare. Preparation is the foundation for any plan. If you you write a plan but don't take time to prepare well, the plan isn't going to work. You take a step back and you prepare. It's the same thing in our own lives. Preparation is essentially then laying the right foundation for how and when God's will is going to be imposed on our future. Preparation. It's important to prepare in those moments when God's given us a a glimpse of a future. For some of you last week, it was to be free from an addiction. It was to be free from a hurt. It was to be free from a habit. Somebody in our first service last week came up, and and you may have seen this if you went to the cross. It was over here. And, And they wrote a cross, and in the middle of the cross, there was the word abused, and they wrote, and they scratched it out. They know what that future is for them, is to be free from the pain of abuse that they carry around. But they can't control that, can they? They can't necessarily impose all of their will on this and everything changes. No, sometimes God takes us a step back and he says, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to prepare. Now this kind of Preparation, especially spiritual, has a number of components to it. I want to emphasize three. The first component to a type of spiritual preparation when you can't control and impose your will on the future is that it's a step of faith. It's a step of faith. If you have a Bible, um, you may want to turn back with me to Exodus chapter 12. There's a beautiful, beautiful story in here about the people of God that are in slavery. And Moses has given them a picture of the future. That picture of the future is freedom. God's going to break through and he's going to set this enslaved people free. Beautiful picture. The problem is they're still in slavery. The problem is they don't know what the plan is that God's going to use to get them free. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you don't know what the plan is? You just prepare. And God says, look, it's really important. If you have a vision for the future, you know I'm going to break through. It's really important that your preparation begins with a preparatory step of faith. Now, in the passage we're going to look at, it's Passover week. Okay, it's Passover time. Look at how God tells his people, okay, to celebrate Passover. Look at this. God says, this is how you're to eat it, Passover You're to eat it with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, 
and your staff in your hand. Now, what God says is, listen, I know that you have a vision for freedom, but you're in slavery. But I want you to prepare for being free, for the breakthrough that I'm going to do by taking this public step of faith. I want you to get your travel robes on, and what you would do is you would then tuck them up into your belt because you would walk much freer that way. I want you to put your walking shoes on, and I want you to have your walking staff in your hand, and essentially I want you to eat this thing with one hand. This is what God is saying to the parents, okay? Can you imagine what the kids would have said? Mom and Dad, what on earth are you doing? Not only that, look at it. Eat it in haste. Gobble it down. Now that was gobbledygook nearly twice, right, in a week, but gobble it down. For this is the Lord's Passover. So does that mean every Passover that the Jews are supposed to celebrate, they were supposed to do it with their traveling clothes, with their sandals on their feet, with their staff, and they were to rush it down? No, but this was God's word for this season because God was preparing them for a journey of faith, a journey where he would break through. See, when you can't plan for your future, but you want God to break through, there are times when God says, listen, here's what I need you to do. I need you to take a public statement of faith. I need you to show that you believe that what I'm about to do, I'm about to do. For some of you, that may well be, you know what? I went forward last week telling a friend, an accountability person, I went forward last week, I put this chalk mark on the board, and I did that because I believe that God is going to set me free from this. I believe that God is fill in the blank. That's that public profession of faith that acknowledges even though the situation seems different, runs counter to what I want, there is a moment coming where God is going to set me free. There is a moment where God's going to break through. Another example of that, illustrated beautifully, was that baptism just now. I'd never heard a baptism testimony from a person saying, I don't want to do this. And then ends with, I don't want to do this. Why do you do something that you don't want to do? Because God tells you to do it. That's why. Public declaration of faith. The Christian coming out party is actually in a pool. It's where you stand up and you say, you know what? God is asking me to make my private faith public because there is no such thing as a private faith in the resurrected Jesus. When God wants to break through in your life, it takes a step of faith. And that, for many of us, may well be putting our baptism in the right order. The biblical order is saved first, public after. Not public first, saved later. Sorry if that offends any of you, but I'm just going to quote the Bible. You see, public declarations, professions of faith, whether that be a verbal confession to someone, I'm really praying that God will break through in my life. Would you stand firm with me? Would you be there with me as this happens? Some of us is to a community of people. I'm believing God for a breakthrough, and it's done in a baptism pool. Folks, that's where preparation begins. It begins in faith, realizing that no matter what my circumstances are right now, I'm enslaved, the Hebrews would say, but I'm taking a step of faith because I believe that God is about to set me free. People of God, hold firmly to the hope that God will break through. But respond in faith. You see, God in this story is preparing his people 
for their freedom by asking them to make a public profession of faith. And the future comes to those who take public and preparatory steps of faith. Now, here's, here's the problem. The problem is the Christians are often quicker to plan than we are to prepare. When we need breakthrough, okay, we come forward, and then in our mind the following week, we ask the question, what do I need to do, right? Good question. But what God wants us to do is not to be quick to plan. He wants us to be quicker to prepare. And rather than filling our calendar and our life with things, that step of preparation actually means emptying our life and our calendar of things. God is saying, create the space. I need the room to work here. A great passage to illustrate this is Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, this passage here talks about self-discipline. Creating the space in your life that is needed for God to break through is an act of self-discipline. It's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit because self-discipline leads to fruitfulness. Look at this. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. It can be painful. Emptying your life of that junk that you've built into your life is a painful experience. It means saying no to things. We don't like doing that. Later on, however, making space produces a harvest of righteousness and what? Peace. You need a breakthrough because you're not at peace. It produces a harvest of peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, see, your healing comes through self-discipline. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, rather healed. This isn't simply talking about physical healing. It's talking about emotional healing, psychological healing. That happens through making space. For God's grace to transform you from broken to whole. And that happens one step at a time. Let me ask you, how cluttered is your life right now? I heard a story of a, of a boy who saw a man shoveling what appeared to be pennies. And so the little boy goes up to the man and he says, what are you doing? The man says, I'm shoveling pennies. Would you like some? And the boy says, yes, please. And uh, the man says, take as many as you want. So the little boy bends down and he, he kind of gathers as many of the pennies as he can fit in his pockets. He walks away and soon after that, he sees another man shoveling what appears to be quarters. And he goes up to the man and he says, what are you doing? The man says, I'm shoveling quarters. Would you like some? The boy says, yes. He says, take as many as you need. The boy thinks his luck is in. He bends down. He's got his his pockets full of pennies. So now he puts his shirt pockets and his back pockets full of quarters. He thinks this is cool. He goes a little bit further and he sees another man shoveling gold coins. He goes to the man and he says, what are you doing? The man says, I'm shoveling gold coins. Would you like some? The boy says, yes. The man says, take as many as you need. But you know what the problem is? His life and his pockets are full of less worthful stuff. In order to get the gold, he needs to get rid of the pennies. He needs to get rid of the quarters. Folks, if you want God to break through in your life, you've got to create space for God's grace to work. That's the task of self-discipline. 
It's about disciplining your mind. It's about disciplining your calendar. It's about disciplining your heart. And that's painful. But that pain, the Bible says, leads to a harvest of righteousness, right living, and peace. So here's some critical questions for you. Are you dealing with something that you cannot control? Are you dealing with something that is out of control? And do you see a tomorrow that you are not prepared for today? If you do, God is saying to you, I need you to prepare. Exercising your own control on this thing hasn't sorted a thing. So here's what I need you to do, God says. I need you to take a preparatory step of faith. I need you to go public. I need you to voice what you want me to do in your life so that someone else sees it. Oh, there's a risk. Faith is a risk. God says, I also need you to make space. Clear your calendar. Put down those things that you're carrying that are actually not worth the weight. One of the lines that I constantly tell myself over and over again is there are certain things that I just don't need to carry. What are you carrying that you don't need to? God is saying, empty yourself of this. And I pray that before you leave this service, you will just be willing to empty your life of a weight that isn't yours to carry. Trust God. The third step, once we've done that, being willing to take that preparatory step of faith, being willing to empty ourselves, is being willing to fill our minds and our hearts and our lives with the things that really bring transformation. In a sense then, what we're called to do if we want a breakthrough is to live like Jesus. Now, many of us think that Jesus could do what he did because he was God and, well, God could do anything. But as I've said over and over again, the Son of God did not take on flesh to act like God. The Son of God took on flesh to act like the sons and the daughters of God should have acted, but because of the controlling power of sin could not. He came to show us what it was like to live with God. And so Jesus, in his life as a man, didn't do what he did because he was God. He did what he did because he was controlled perfectly by the Spirit of God. Jesus had two resources in his life as a man. The first was the Word of God, and the second was the Spirit of God, whose presence he practiced through prayer. And so when Jesus was tempted by the adversary in the wilderness not to do God's will, how did he respond? He responded with the word of God. Why? Because the spirit of God takes the will of God in the word of God and revealed it to him in his life as a man. What is true for Jesus is true for you and me. If we want to experience breakthrough, we need to fill our hearts and our minds with God's will. Ephesians 1, 9 and 10 says all the plans... And the purposes of God are actually found in the person of Jesus Christ. There's a beautiful story in the Old Testament book of Ezra that illustrates how this works for a a community of faith. Now, the book of Ezra may be unfamiliar to a number of us, but it's a pretty simple story. The people have been in exile in Babylon, and now it's time for them to go home to rebuild the temple that had been destroyed. And so in Ezra chapters 1 through 6, under the leadership of Zerubbabel, a group of people made the first 900-mile journey, about a four-month journey, from Babylon back to Jerusalem to start building, uh, building the city. 
In chapter 7 through 10, Ezra is now leading the second group of people back, and they're going to build the temple, rebuild the temple. And there in chapter 8, we read what Ezra encouraged the people to do to prepare. Look at what he said. There by the Ahava Canal, we don't really know where that is, but it's probably one of the tributaries that run into the Euphrates. I proclaimed a feast, a fast, so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and for our children with all of our possessions. You see, they're going on a hazardous journey of rebuilding, and what God says to them is, before you go, stop and pray. Fast and pray. Once we have emptied ourselves of things that we don't carry, we have to practice prayer and fasting because the will of God for us comes to us as we are familiar with the leading of the Spirit of God on our life that reveals God's will. How can we know God's will, which is in God's word, if we don't know God's word and we don't take time to listen to God's voice? Do you want a breakthrough? If you do, then ask yourself some questions. Do you have a serious spiritual life? Are you biblically literate? If it is true that the will of God for the, man of, the Son of God as a man, Jesus, was in the Word of God, then essentially what happened is the Spirit of God took the Word of God Jesus knew, not because he was God, but because he was in the Word and was biblically literate and revealed it to him for this moment in his life. What's true for the Son of God as a man is true for you and me. So are you biblically literate? Do you know God's Word? Thirdly, are you connected with the local body of believers? All of these texts, Exodus chapter 12, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, Ezra chapter 8, they happen within a community of people because breakthrough happens in community. It's a communal thing, not just a personal thing. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to help you with this. Starting next week, we believe that the call of God on a local body of believers is not just for them to experience a breakthrough. It's actually for them to take the breakthrough that they've experienced and to share it with the world, beginning right here in Holland. We want to do that next week. Next week, Micah and our missions team, we're just going to present to you how God is calling us to take this breaking power of God into hundreds of local families in our community because we believe mission is always local. Mission isn't just for the other side of the wood. It begins right here, right now, where God's people, having experienced Him breakthrough in their own life, take that through to other people. Second, what's going to happen on May the 7th is we're going to do a stronger refresh. Incredible things have happened over the last year and over the next few months are going to happen again that God is preparing us for. And we just want to make sure we're all up to speed on how God is calling us to our stronger challenge to be a part of that. Now, May 14, Mother's Day. On Mother's Day, we've got Sarah Haggerty coming in. She's written an incredible book based on her story about how God takes the bitter things in this world and makes them sweet. Some of you, that's why you wrote a cross on the board. You just need a, a breakthrough because life has been bitter and you just need the sweet, sweet presence of God to transform it. She's an excellent communicator. And like uh, Sheila Walsh last year, this is a Sunday that you don't want to miss. And then what I'm especially excited about is our summer series on May 21st that we're calling The Space Between. 
Some of us are in that spot, aren't we, where we've indicated, God, we need a breakthrough. There's a profound spiritual hunger. And now we're living in that space between. How do we live in that space between? Well, for the first three weeks of that series, uh, our new teaching pastor will be here, Steve Norman. He will be here full-time, and he will do that. Then on June the 11th, Brad Gray is coming back, and uh, he is going to talk about that living in the space between the ascension of Jesus and the Pentecost experience. Then for the rest of the series, Steve and I will kind of alternate out. This is going to be an awesome series that you don't want to miss, but it's a season, a series where we believe that God will prepare you for the breakthrough that needs to come. Folks, we're serious about this. See, the reality is we can't plan for every eventuality in your life, but we don't need to. What we need to do is to just work together with you to prepare you for what God has for you, and we're serious about doing that over the next few weeks. Now, for some of you, that starts on April the 30th, maybe you're new to Central, maybe you've been here for a while and you've never connected. We want to invite you into that lunch where you will meet me and a number of our team and we'll just be able to share with you how it is that we can work with you and walk with you to prepare you for what God has for you. And then on May the 20, what is that? May the 21st, for four weeks, I am uh, basically giving up the, the pulpit for four weeks. Steve and Brad will be here. They're both fine. They've got this thing. And I'm going to go, and I'm just going to take a class, because some of us aren't biblically, biblically literate. Some of us were here last week, and we're seeking, and we're saying, I, I want God to break through, but I don't know if I can trust the Bible. I don't even know my way around the Bible. I say to people, you know the most important page in the Bible, if you're starting, is the index page. And starting in that index page, I'm just going to work for four weeks, helping you to know that you can trust God's word. And once you trust God's word, that is a phenomenal foundation for you to build your life upon. Again, are you biblically literate? Do you know that you can trust God's word? If that's you, then I would encourage you to attend one service, attend this service, but join me in the first hour as I just walk through the text, helping you to know that you can trust God's word. Our life will never go as planned. But the promise of Easter is that God can be trusted to finish the work that he started in you. And what God is calling us to do is to prepare. And so what I would like to happen now is I'm going to ask the team to come back. They're going to sing a song that speaks of God's glory being all that we seek for and seek after. And as you listen to this, I want you to consider the challenge that I've given. Is God calling you to take that public step of faith about what was private last week? Last week was private between you and God and a chalkboard. Is God calling you to actually take a step of faith, either in telling someone or even going public with your faith through baptism? Is God calling you to empty things from your life so that you become, your life becomes less about you and your plans and more about him and his plans for you. As you listen to this song, just do business with God in those things. And as you do that, I do pray that God would just work in your heart and that his glory would be so close to you. So listen to these words, prepare your heart and live for his glory.